Green Music Australia is a national charity that is working with all sectors, oh, sorry, all people in the music sector to try and create change that's positive for our planet. So we're helping music festivals reduce waste. We're helping uh, venues audit themselves and work out where their, you know, their major amounts of carbon are coming from. Um, we're helping musicians step up on stage and speak up about, you know, climate change and ways that uh, audiences can get active to try and change the trajectory of our future. But we're, we're kind of present in all elements um, to just use this cultural power that's pretty significant in the music scene to create change. I guess a lot of people might not see the music industry as something that is a large contributor to those uh, negative environmental impacts. What are some of the largest kind of contributors in, in the music sector that you're seeing? Look, I mean, I think people are right in thinking that the music, the music scene isn't equivalent to something like agriculture or mining and energy consumption. The big, the big players uh, signif- create significantly more uh, environmental impact. But for our size, I think it is still oversized, oversized the impact. And, and you're looking at things like uh, the amount of emissions that are created through travel. So a lot of times when I say the word travel, people think of the artists themselves, the performers moving around the place and potentially their crews as well. The actual biggest footprint, at least if we're using UK data, is uh, audience travel. So, you know, it's the thousands and thousands of audience members getting to and from shows, particularly if those people start to fly or um, single occupancy cars, you know, that's a real problem. Uh, And then uh, definitely the waste, and I think probably a lot of your listeners have have seen campsites at music festivals strewn with... uh, rubbish you know whether it is tents and marquees that have been left behind or just you know smaller items like plastic water bottles so you know there there is a significant contribution to environmental damage and um and there's so much more that can be done you know our our hope is that the music world becomes a beacon for the kind of future we want rather than the excesses and the the disgusting sort of habits that we you know that we've been left with from the last generation we kind of want to move forward Last year, you released a handbook called Sound Country, and that was more targeted at artists. What went into the development of that handbook, first of all? Yeah, Sound Country was the culmination of years of work for our organisation. We had the artist Montaigne on our board for some time, and and she had started coming up with some ideas about um, what she wanted to communicate to her peers. So that's other, other performers. Uh, and she was looking at things like, you know, uh, biodegradable glitter and um, secondhand clothing and um, ways to ways to you know create a green rider. So when you're when you're back of house, you're making sure that the venue doesn't supply you with things that are covered in plastic. So she had a few a few ideas, but she was looking for us to kind of bulk it out and actually turn it into something more substantial. And and we went on that that journey for quite some time and. And also through lockdown, um, we had some really robust conversations with some uh, emerging First Nations artists, people like Neil Morris and Alara Briggs-Patterson. And, and they, they, they had a really strong message, which we heard, which is that actually anything in the world of sustainability, in the world of um, being Christians or looking after country, we have to listen to First Nations people who've been doing it for millennia. So... 
I went, um, we were really fortunate enough to approach Rhoda Roberts, who is a Bundjalung elder and a veteran art executive. She was programming for the Sydney Opera House uh, for the better part of two decades. And and Rhoda came on board to to really help us navigate um, how can we position First Nations first? How can we say that when the context of acting on climate and sustainability, we um, everything we do in the in the space of First Nations and listening to their voices, elevating and platforming what they have to say is completely relevant. So that's kind of how Sound Country evolved, and now it's like it's a, a quite a significant um, multi-page uh, PDF resource, but it's also accessible as a website and. And I think the, the thing that we wanted to make sure is that it's really easy to jump into the bit that you care about. So if you're concerned as an artist about the merch you're creating, you can go straight into merch. If you're you know, thinking more about travel, you can go straight to the touring section. So um, that's the way we, we built it up. And, and then I've been delivering you know, a bunch of kind of seminars or, or presentations to the music industry and key players. Um, and at festivals to make sure that artists are getting this information and finding ways that they can incorporate it and be creative with it in their practice. I'd like to hear a little bit more about what the response has been to this from the community, from artists and from industry. It's been really positive. I think when we set out to do this, there wasn't a resource, a similar resource available. And we're really, you know, we're scarce on resources at Green Music Australia, um, as are many other small charities. And we didn't want to reinvent the wheel. So certainly when it comes to things like event uh, doc- documents that help event organisers create a more sustainable event, there were there were a, a good eight or ten of them available from both from Australia and from uh, you know other parts of the world. So we didn't want to do something that was recreating unnecessarily. But, yeah, artists didn't have something that spoke in simple language that, that just communicated how they can navigate what is quite a tough topic of being greener. Um, and, and you know, we've had over 50 artists post on um, Instagram and Facebook, and there's some really significant names, people like Angie McMahon, Greta Ray, um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, Regurgitator, a whole bunch of different artists have, have basically said this resource is really helping them to uh, think through the challenges and, and come up with solutions that work for their business. And, you know, artists have got a lot of things to do already. Uh, they don't necessarily make a lot of money in Australia. And certainly through lockdown, it was probably one of the hardest couple of years of their life. So um, we're trying to do this in a really accessible, easy format and something that people can start somewhere. They don't have to be perfect. That's a really critical part. In terms of industry reception, I mean, you know, I presented it at most of the major uh, music record labels. So I presented at Universal, Unified, Warner. Um, and the staff there are really receptive and are trying to make sure that this is fed, fed into comms they have with their artists. And similarly with music festivals, you know, there's a number of music festivals now like Strawberry Fields. Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. A bunch of Adelaide festivals like Wome Adelaide and, and Adelaide Festival itself that are uh, sharing the the Green Artist Guide, the Sound Country Green Artist Guide, with artists as um, before they come and perform. So just to say, this is a document that can help you uh, be greener and be an advocate potentially on stage and promote all the great work we're trying to achieve. So yeah, it's it's definitely had a good reception. But I mean, as part of our challenge is as a small 
non-for-profit getting it out into the world of musicians. There's, there's thousands and thousands of musicians in Australia um, across so many different genres and um, we've got a, you know, a significant job getting it out there. I think one of the things we've been really lucky with is that Creative Victoria, so the Victorian government, has gotten behind the rollout of this and that's enabled us to have lots of conversations and participate in a variety of events. But yeah, there's lots more work to do to actually get in front of people. One of the ways you are getting it in front of people, you are piloting, I understand, some classes across some, some universities, some tertiary institutions. Now, I hear that started here in Melbourne. Yeah, that's right. And partly because we've gotten that funding from Creative Vic, our focus has been on uh, on our local music scene. I live in Melbourne myself, and um, and there, you know, it's a thriving music scene with a heap of courses helping, you know, the next generation uh, build their skills, their leadership, and and basically be equipped to ta- to take on jobs in the industry or as performers. Um, and so we actually the first pilot we ran was at JMC Academy. And we were really stoked with the results, you know, like it was, it's just an intro module that we've designed that, that introduces people to sort of some of the core principles in sound country, uh, ideas like first nations first, like I mentioned earlier and why that matters, uh, ideas like going upstream. So instead of say picking up waste, once it's been created, how can we stop it in the first place? How can we change our systems, our processes, our operations so that the waste isn't generated at all? Um, you know, these, there's a whole, level, a whole lot of high-level principles that uh, feature throughout Sound Country, and, and that's the kind of stuff we wanted to communicate to music students. And, yeah, we were stoked. With the, you know, we actually did a survey um, to just see how confident they were to use the resource or how much they thought the music sector was responsible for sustainability. And, you know, people's attitudes, or, or I suppose their understanding of the topic almost doubled quantitatively in that session. So um, we're really excited about rolling it out further and we've got, uh, we've got budding relationships with a bunch of other unis, including Box Hill Institute, Melbourne University. I'm talking, I'm starting to talk with uh, other ones outside of the state as well, like Tassie University. But, you know, it's just really exciting that, that we can reach potentially uh, hundreds and hundreds or if not more students that are, that will be the next generation of uh industry workers. We have spent a lot of this interview focusing on the industry, and that is where a lot of the change will come from. But for someone who's maybe just just a listener, just a fan, uh, is there anything that they can do or any, you know, kind of power that they have to try and make their impact on their kind of music consumption a little bit more sustainable? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I know that this guide is geared towards artists and but I think if, you know, that the high-level principles apply to absolutely everyone in trying to create change, um, I think we all need to realise that, you know, First Nations allyship and listening to these voices is critical in so many ways, but particularly when we're thinking about climate change um, and environmental actions. Uh, in terms of, like, really practical things that people can do, I think if, there's a, if there are artists that people are listening to and they're doing good things, I think applauding them whatever it might be, if, if they've released an album that doesn't have shrink wrap or they're using, um, you know, their merch has become more ethical, you know, applauding that. If they can see that they've used a reusable water bottle on stage, if, they, if they've, if they, you know, or maybe the artists they like have gone to more extremes. Like I know certainly in, 
in the UK, sorry, in Europe, there's a lot of artists that have stopped travelling by um, plane. You know, groups like Massive Attack said we're only going to travel by by train. So if if an artist is doing something really inventive and creative and in, and looking for ways to reduce their footprint, I think if fans can applaud that, that gives them confidence to go further. Um, and I think a gentle nudge, if they're not doing anything from a fan, is, I mean, we love that because if fans are asking artists to do more, then they're a lot more likely to come to us looking for solutions. And that's going to kind of accelerate this process that really should have been happening yesterday. Barish Belanda, CEO of Green Music Australia. Thank you so much for your time. Before I let you go, if you get your phone right now, I know you're on it. What's the last track you've been listening to this morning? Oh my god, it's going to be slightly embarrassing. I'm putting you on the spot. I was with my I was with my son this morning. I'm trying to teach him piano, and we were we were actually working on "Born to Try" by Delta Goodrum. Wow! So don't judge me for it, but um, it's a really good song when you're trying to learn three chords. <laughs> look, look, an Aussie icon. Okay, I respect it. Yeah, an Aussie icon. Thank you. I'm glad you never judged.